Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Again, we welcome our visitors. I'd sure like to shake your hand after service, greet you, spend some time with you. We're really glad you're here today. We've changed our format just a little bit so that we can flow right into the Word of God. If you didn't get a chance to give in the offering today, the ushers will meet you at the back when you leave. But we're glad for you being here today. Matthew 13, verse 18. Now today when I read this text, I would like you to first of all examine yourself and say, which soil am I? Before you take a look at people that you've witnessed to or that have come and gone, first take a look at yourself. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which was received the word by the wayside. He that received the seed in the sony places, same as he that hears the word. And anon with joy he received it, but he has no root in himself. So he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended and he leaves. He that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and takes the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and it chokes the word. He becomes unfruitful. But he that received the seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word, understandeth it, and bears fruit. He bringeth forth some a hundred some 60 and some 30. He reproduces himself by the seed and the fruit that is in his life. And then Galatians 6 and verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith." And so for a few minutes this morning, I want to preach to you on this subject, the harvesting of my choices, the harvesting of my choices. God bless you. You may be seated. Spring showers. It's a good thing. We need water. The fields are being prepared. The dirt has to be ready 
It needs to be watered before it can be planted. There are many frustrations in farming, as all of us as Christians know. We are farmers. We are farmers. Some of us are good farmers, and some of us maybe not as good. But there are two major frustrations that all farmers face. They face the weather, and they face the waiting. The weather and the waiting. Now, they can't control the weather. And the waiting can be bothersome. And the seeds of yesterday and the seeds of today will become our crops of tomorrow. What we do today and what we've done in the past is being rewarded right now. We have never made one bad choice that ruined our lives. Well, you know, I made this choice and it completely ruined my life. I do not believe that. I do not believe that one bad choice can ruin your life. Rather, I believe that several bad or several good choices have put you where you are today. You had lots of opportunities to escape that major decision that went awry in your life. Or you had several opportunities to miss the opportunity to be blessed because of the good choices that you made that put you in the position to harvest your choices. Let me give you an example of of what I'm saying. Let's take a look at, at some of the things that have got us in trouble in our life. How did I get so far in debt? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How did I get in this position where I owe so many people so much money and it put so much pressure on my life? It was not one bad choice. It was several bad choices. And you've continued to make them over and over again till you're in a position where money is very, very important to you. Bad choices. How did I become an addict? Well, I just woke up one day and decided I was going to be an addict. No, that's not true. You've made several bad choices to put yourself in this position. How did my marriage end up in a divorce? Well, you just woke up one day and said, I no longer love this person and I don't want to be married to him. No, I don't believe that's true. I believe there have been many, many bad choices along the way. How did I become this bitter person, so unhappy, so unfriendly, so unconnected? Bad, bad choices concerning forgiveness. Releasing people of their debt of offense. You see, I believe that we flirt with sin before we follow it. There are several occasions for us to escape. There are warnings that God gives us through our conscience, through his word, and through his spirit, if you have the spirit of God in you. He will alert you to these things. 
He will warn you, stay away. Don't become involved in it. And the enemy will tell you, oh, you can flirt with it. You'll never be captured by it. And somebody can come around you and say something that is flirtatious or promiscuous. And you might even feel good about it because you look at it as a compliment. And really, it is the beginning of temptations. You never see yourself becoming unfaithful to your spouse. But it happens. It happens because we flirt before we follow. So the answer is, don't flirt. Don't wink at that person in the office. Don't smile. Don't have all kinds of innuendos. Don't put yourself in a position where conversation or even your thought life, your fantasy, could put you in a position where one day it becomes a reality. Be careful with what you flirt with. Let me take you to the garden for a minute and ask four questions. Four questions that I would like to ask Adam and Eve this morning. Why did you come to that tree? All the trees of the garden you could eat from, except the one tree that he said, this tree, do not eat of this tree. It is called the knowledge of good and evil. You don't have a knowledge of good and evil. Somebody say amen. At this point, you don't have a knowledge of good and evil. And I'm saying to you, I'm only asking you, there are not 10 commandments and 10,000 laws. There's just one thing I'm warning you about. Do not do this. If you make this choice, there's a consequence coming. Because we do have consequences for our wrong choices. We do reap the seeds that have been sown. Can I get an amen? So Eve decides one day, I've seen it from a distance, but she's flirting with it. Maybe for several days she comes just a few steps closer, a few steps closer. And lightning doesn't strike her. And now she can see the fruit of the tree pretty clearly. And then she'll back away, thinking I can always come close and then I can always back away. But one day she comes boldly because nothing has ever struck her before and she stands in front of this tree that she's not supposed to be at. She has crossed the line. Why did you even come to this tree? Is anybody preaching with me today? Will you please take an inventory of your life as I take an inventory of mine and realize that God has warned us already and said, don't do this. Don't go there. Well, I'm, I'm strong, I'm tough, I can handle it. Others have failed, but I'll succeed. I'm the exception to the rule. You're not the exception to the rule. Greater men and greater women than you have fallen because they got too close to the tree. They didn't stay away from it. They flirted. Second question I would ask is, why do you talk to a snake? 
And where does the snake live? The snake lives in temptation. You have come to his neck of the woods. You are now in an area that you should not be in. And he has every right to live there. And because he lives there and because you've crossed the line and you stand by the tree, he starts talking to you and telling you how unfair God is. Hold it, hold it, time out. Unfair? Look at the place we live in. No sickness, no death, fruit, food, sunshine, everything is beautiful. And God's unfair? Is anybody preaching to themselves today? God's never been unfair with you. He supplied all your needs. And so you hold a conversation with a snake. A snake that lies. And a snake that tempts you. So why did you, question three would be, so why did you partake? Well, the answer is in Genesis 3 and 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desired to make one wise. See, she bought the lies. God never said this tree's gonna make you wise. All of the temptations appeared to, appealed to her flesh and to her pride. Women can have pride too. Pride. I can be smarter. I can be like God. She bought the lies. And when she did, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband and he did eat. Adam, why were you by the tree? When you saw your wife at a distance, why didn't you yell out, Eve, get away from the tree. Get back over here. We've been warned. If we eat of this tree, we're gonna die. We're gonna be separated from God. Eve, come away from the tree. If you see somebody that you love headed for the tree, cry out. Warn them, come back from the tree. Don't go anywhere near the tree. But instead, he kept coming and coming. And he said, look at the fruit on this tree. We can be as gods. We can have the wisdom of God. Oh, this fruit is gonna taste delicious. Adam, I tasted it. It was good. Are you any smarter? Not yet, but maybe the snake said that'll come later. Here's my last question. 
Adam and Eve, why didn't you repent? When you realized that you were wrong and you saw your nakedness and your shame, the shame of your sin, why didn't you fall on your knees and call out to God and ask for mercy and forgiveness and admit you were wrong? Why didn't you do that? Sometimes we're pretty hard on Adam and Eve. But what do we do when we sin? Well, I'm only human. I'll tell you why they didn't repent. This is my opinion, so if you don't like it, throw it away. Because it's easier to blame somebody else and allow me to keep my pride than it is to repent. I'll tell you something this morning. If the Holy Ghost is moving the way I believe it wants to move today, when this altar call is made, there ought to be people running to the altar and saying, God, I'm not making the same mistake Adam and Eve made. I may have fallen into sin. I may have yielded to sin. But I'm not going to hide behind blaming other people. I'm not going to hide behind my pride. All that's going to be stripped away from me. I'm going to be on my face in humility, and I'm going to be crying out to you because you're going to reap. You're going to harvest your choices. You're going to harvest them. I pray that we'd all repent. And what were, what were the, what was the harvest of sin? For Adam and Eve, it was Separation from God, that's a death. That's the worst kind of death. Physical death, you're not gonna get out of here without it. Even in the rapture, you're gonna die on the way up. You're not getting out of here alive. But I'll tell you what the worst death is. It's the second death. It's separation from God for eternity. That's what you need to really fear. That's what you really need to fear. And what happened? Separation from God, pain in childbearing, and weeds. Everybody suffers in sin. Even the serpent suffered. Now he gets to eat dirt the rest of his life. He crawls on his belly. The harvesting of choices. Matthew Let's continue in this 13th chapter. Let's go to verse 24. It talked about the parable earlier, but in verse 24 it says, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Can I get an amen to that? All right, that's good. But while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. He never even saw the enemy because he was sleeping. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did we not sow good seed in the field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, an enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He said, no, 
lest you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, gather the wheat into my barn. So what happens in our life? How do we, how do we struggle with temptations? And how does bad things grow with good things in our life? Because when we are spiritually sleeping, the enemy slips in and we never see it. And then all of a sudden, with the wheat comes the tares. Now, I can understand the illustration here, and if I'm a farmer, and I, I know I'm a neat freak and a picky person and, and all of that. I, I'm the kind of guy that says, I gotta get each tear out of here. I gotta pull every one of them up and get rid of them. This is, this is God's field. Here's what I believe. I believe that what I'm speaking to you today is, is that God wants us to be good ground and reproduce ourselves. We are to be farmers and we are to grow wheat and we are to reproduce 30, 60, or 100 souls in our lifetime. I must affect, if I'm good ground, I must have an impact on 30, 60, or 100. And Brother Messa today brought it up in his message, and that was just a confirmation to me. He said, my uncle has affected at least 100 lives. And that was a confirmation for me. 100 lives. We don't save 100 lives. We don't save any lives. But the ones that do get saved, that's because they've become good soil. But I have tares in my field. And you have tares in yours. But can I say something that will help you? Stay out of my field. Don't come into my field pulling up my tares. Boy, it got quiet in here. Oh, Sister Corrine, I see some tares in your field. So let me come over here and get you squared away and start pulling your tares. Bad, bad decision. Pray for her encourage her, love her. If you see her going to a bad tree, warn her, but don't get in her field and start pulling on her tears. And don't pull your own either. You know what the answer is? Grow such healthy wheat that it covers up all the tears and they shrivel up and die because your field is so reproductive and healthy and strong, but don't go picking and tearing up every tear lest you tear up the wheat. Because that's what you do. I'm going I'm to say it. Here's what happens with people that think they're doing the church a favor by being the one that has to go through all the fields and tear up the tares. What's your job? What's your place in the body of Christ? I am the one that inspects the fruit. And if I see tears, I tear things up. No. Not your 
job. Stay out of there. Because what you're going to do is hurt a bunch of wheat. And that wheat belongs to God. And he knows when and how to take care of the tares. He knows when and how. You let him handle that. He is the expert. Amen? Amen. Always remember this. Sin will take you farther than you intended to go and cost you more than you were willing to pay. So stay away from the line. Stay away from the line. Don't flirt because you'll soon follow. Shut it off. Shut it down. Flee from it. Run from it. But don't flirt with it. That's how people end up in pornography. We'll say it today. I, I, you know what? I just feel like the last few weeks I've been preaching, I got nothing to lose. <laughs> You're looking at things you shouldn't look at, thinking I'll never go too far. You're flirting. I'm preaching to you today. You need to stay away from that. Oh, I can handle it. I know how far I can go. No, you don't. Shut that down right now and quit ignoring what the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, and your conscience are saying to you. Stop ignoring that and start ignoring sin and pull yourself as far away from the tree as you can possibly get. I've seen too many people that have treated a mistress better than they've treated their wife. They'll spend all kinds of money on a mistress and won't spend anything on their wife. If you would put all of your love, all of your trust, all of your energy into your marriage, you'd have a good marriage. Let me share this with you. Husbands, the Bible says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Don't flirt. Don't do it. I remember old men get to do this. I've told you before, I'll tell you again. I was hugging on my wife and gave her a little peck on the cheek when we got done praying together at the altar one day and this guy came up and I know he didn't mean anything bad by it. But he said, hey, I gotta, I gotta ask you something. He said, you know, you're, you seem to be pretty affectionate and pretty huggy with your wife. I said, yes, sir. I said, would you like to know why? And the Holy Ghost, just like that, gave me the answer. I mean, I didn't even have to think about it. I said, there's three reasons. Number one, I love my wife. And I'm not ashamed of it. Number two, I need to be a good example for every, and I'm not, forget the pastor robe right now. I'm just a Christian, okay? Just like you. I'm just a Christian trying to do what's right. I need to be an example in this church, and so do you. This is how you treat your wife. You don't tell goofy jokes about them and embarrass them and talk about their little idiosyncrasies. You don't do that in public, Okay? But I, I need to be an example. This is how you treat your spouse. And number three, 
I want every woman in this church to know that I am very happily married. That's why you love your wife the way that you love your wife. And wives, while I'm here, wives, while I'm here, let me tell you this. Submit to your husband. I just lost a good number of people. Submit. No way, the guy's an idiot. He doesn't treat me right. He doesn't love me like Christ loved the church. So if he's not gonna love me like Christ loved the church, I'm not gonna submit to him. I'm not gonna trust him. I'm not not gonna let him lead me. Good luck with that. See how that works out for you. I've seen some good women that have won some bad men by the way they treated them scripturally. And it wasn't easy for them. But their husband is in the church today because they submitted to God and they submitted to their husband and they loved their husband. And even when he was an idiot and he made bad decisions and you both and all of you had to pay for him, you still trusted him. And you know what he did? Unless he's a complete idiot, he said, I won't do that again. I should have listened to my wife. I don't want to keep harvesting from these bad choices. So now we're gonna make decisions together. I am not the king, never have been, never will be of my house. I am not the king. I am a servant. You know what I am in this church? I am a servant. I want Jesus to declare that to me. I don't want him to say, well done, good and faithful pastor. He ain't gonna say that to me. But I do want him to say, well done, you good and faithful. I wanna hear that. But you know what? God is not a liar. And he's not gonna say, well done, if it's not well done. He's not gonna say it's good if it's not good. He's not going to say faithful if I haven't been faithful. He's not going to call me a servant if I haven't been. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? But i got to make good choices. Good choices so that God can bring me what I want to hear and what he wants to give me. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you very much. So let me conclude this message on the most positive note. I have made some wonderful choices in my life. Oh, I've made some bad ones. Hopefully I've learned from them and I won't make them again. But I'm sure I'll find another area I can make a mistake in. But I have made some wonderful choices in my life. I asked Liz to marry me. That was a Good choice. Like they said in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you have chosen wisely. (laughs) Wisely. Another man, he said, you have chosen poorly. But I chose wisely. I'll tell you another really good choice I made. I made a choice one day that said, Lord, if it's in your word, 
I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to obey it. That is a good choice. I made a choice one day, instead of just being a pew sitter, that I would be at the altar. I made a choice one day to put my life on the altar. I didn't confess my sins to a pastor or to a friend. I confessed my sins to God. I pleaded with him and told him how sorry I was. I didn't blame everybody else and I didn't hold on to my pride. I made a choice to come to an altar and fully, unconditionally surrender to God. That was a very good choice. I made a choice one day that I was going to obey God's word because I wanted my sins to be washed away. I didn't just want to be sorry. I wanted to be cleansed. I wanted to be free from my past. I understood in the word of God that Jesus' death on the cross and the shedding of his blood could be applied to me in the waters of baptism. So I made a choice. I chose to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. And that was a very, very good choice. A good choice. Because now my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, I've been baptized the same way Peter and Paul and James and John were baptized, and the way that they instructed us to baptize others for the remission of their sins. I made a choice one day to acknowledge the emptiness and the powerlessness of my own life. I did everything I could to cleanse myself from the inside out so that God could fill me and empower me with his spirit. I came to an altar for six months seeking the Holy Ghost and could not receive it. But one day I made another choice and that choice was I'm staying at the altar. I'm not leaving this altar until I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was so desperate and so determined that I made a choice that if even I had to take a personal day tomorrow from work, I was not leaving till I got the Holy Ghost and that's when God filled me. That was my choice. You see, I am now harvesting my choices. I have a great marriage. I have a great family. All because I have a great God. And God has blessed me with these things. Do I deserve them? Absolutely not. But I have chosen determined that I'm going to give my life to God and do my best to make better choices. I cannot change what I have done, but the blood can cover it. And I can be different if God empowers me with his spirit. So today is the first day of the rest of your life. What kind of harvest are you going to have weeks, months, or years from now based upon the decision that you make today? In Acts chapter 2, 
Verse 36, I didn't have this on, hon, but if you'd put it up, Sister Honey. Go, to th- go back just a little bit, please, 36. Let all the house of Israel, let the whole assembly here today know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, whom you crucified and I crucified. Quit blaming the Jews. Quit blaming the Romans. The reason he was on the cross was because of Rick Kylie. And you can insert your own name. Verse 37. Now when they heard all this, the last 40 minutes that you've listened to me, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, we're not doing so good. We don't want this harvest. What shall we do? See, there's, there has to be a do when it comes to decision time. And 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall be empowered. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Make good choices. Let's stand together. I'm not going to read this to you today, but you can mark it in your notes if you're taking any. Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, talk about the unbeliever's judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, talk about the believer's judgment. And the warning comes from Timothy that I will read to you. 1 Timothy 5, 24. Harvest of my choices. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. That's the believer. Coming to this altar, making it right with God right here, right now, they get there before you do. And some men, they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. I thought I was a pretty good guy. But I'm not one for going to the altar and I'm not one for being so dramatical and completely giving my life to God. I I just kind of cruise through life and here I am, Lord, I'm the average guy. And the Lord will say to you, take a look behind you. You see that long, long tail? That's your harvest. I'd rather have my sins go before me to judgment than have them follow after me. And Joshua said it perfectly. As for me, I'm pausing for effect. You want to get to my house. No, no, no. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you choose. 
because you're going to harvest your choices. Jesus, I pray today that by your spirit, you would draw us to a place of repentance, a place where we will reconsecrate ourselves and stop flirting with trees and with sin that you have warned us about, either through your word, your spirit, or your conscience. Help us to break all. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.